This podcast is brought to you in part by our partner, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is a free app that allows the user and creator to record and edit their podcast right there from your phone or computer. It also allows you to distribute your podcast across the globe to everyone that wants to listen to it on different distribution networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other networks. It has all, all your needs and tools all in one stop shop. So go ahead, please. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and have a great day. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy podcast. I'm the one, the only Tim Wilkins, the Yankee Cowboy himself. Today, we're going to be reviewing AEW Revolution that took place uh, this past couple weeks, about a week ago or so. Uh, I want to go through all the matches, all the good, the bad, the indifferent, and of course, None other than this amazing part of this pay-per-view, other than the fact that it was four hours long of just just drawn-out craziness, as I will say it nicely. We have so much to touch into. I want to get started right away. Uh, anyone who wants to know about this was AEW uh, Rampage pay-per-view. Not Rampage, sorry, Revolution. Jesus. Um, sorry, guys. But honestly, it was a great pay-per-view from start to finish. A little little bit of long, a little, little long. But uh, let's kick right into the action from the pre-show. It was obviously two matches into the pre-show. It was Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander uh, opening up the show. As expected, Hirsch found a, a body part to focus on, which was Statlander's arm. Uh, Statlander made a big save midway through the match with Hirsch trying to do a springboard attempt that went kind of crazy. Uh, Statlander kind of saved it a little bit, kept it from going derailing the match. The two women continued to battle until uh, going heading into the ring apron, uh, where Hirsch hit a hurricanrana that sent both women crashing to the floor. And in the start of a kind of a run of a big move, a big push to the finish, ultimately uh, Hirsch got the win when she was sent outside the ring and pulled the turnbuckle uh, and basically did a gimmick and hit Statlander's face while the referee was looking away. Uh, Hit hit Statlander, uh, Hirsch set up. For, that was a move that set up the the moonsault. And uh, once the match kind of got settled in there for the first, it was about eight minutes or so, five to six minutes. Uh, once the move got, once this match got settled in after the quirkiness and the clunkiness in the beginning, it kind of got settled in. It was just solid match all the way around. Uh, the second pre the prelim show, the prelim match was Hook, aka Taz's kid, versus QT Marshall. Uh, Really, just I'm impressed by how much this kid's actually over for not having very much wrestling experience and just having a really good, uh, just solid basics. And I'll mean that he has some really solid basics. Hook hit a solid judo throw early, uh, and even did a moon uh, headbutt into uh, Marshall's face, and then did a T-bone suplex and a clothesline that sent Marshall to the outside. Marshall took to the, some of the underhand tactics that he usually does as a heel. Uh, you know, typical heel move. Honestly, it was overall just a solid kind of an easy-going match. It was six, seven minutes as well and just really smooth. Uh, you can tell definitely the kid's definitely getting it. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a good opening match contest. Uh, nothing special, really, uh, but... Hook definitely the, the move here is that Hook continued to fight back from underneath with big boot suplexes and hit with a diamond cutter and then locking in a submission for the victory. 
really just he's a special kid, man. He's going to be something special once he kind of gets over the the deal here. Uh, then we're going to go into the pay-per-view itself, the opening match. Uh, definitely it was one for the record books here. A lot of big guys. It was the House of Black or versus Death Triangle. Um, definitely a match that to open the show. Uh, it could be the pre-show still. I'm sorry. Uh, it was. It, it just seemed like it was a really big. Actually, so it was a part of the pay-per-view. I take that back. I'm sorry. It all kind of merged together for me. But uh, this match was kind of the high-octane, big-move showcase that you expected with these six guys. Uh, moments like Penta rolling through Malachi Black to hit Buddy uh, Matthews with a destroyer. Brody King hitting Eric Redbeer with a Death Valley driver. Some of these big matches. Uh, Penta hitting a, a Black with Fear Factor on the road, uh, on, on the ring apron. Just a lot of big, legit spots that were, you can tell they were intense. Um, just a little bit of a a little bit of a spot fest here and there. But definitely Redbeard was ready to go uh, two-on-one with Matthews, obviously the big man of the match. Uh, these guys are all pretty big guys, and they were doing some pretty powerful moves to each other. So it kind of – it, it kind of – it was a good trio. It was a good six-man tag, in my opinion, that showed showcased everybody. Uh, really only had, like, one or two really weird, awkward spots that kind of – it, it – kind of buried the referee a little bit on some of these, you know, when you have a five count and things like that. But uh, obviously good opening contest with the House of Black defeating the Death Triangle here. But really, it, it was smooth. I mean, for an opening contest, it was smooth. It was not trying to be too too much, not to be too little, and kind of got in and out of there, especially with these guys. Some of these guys in here, six foot two, 360, 255. You know, these guys are pretty big dudes. And, uh, you know, it, the, the gimmick the gimmick finish was kind of weird. I, I'm really getting tired of Malachi Black with the mist and the, um, you know, it was a black mist to the red beard. And then King got the red beard with the pile, hit red beard with the pile driver. Really tired of the gimmick finish on, on, this, on this thing, but I understand why they do it. Um, but yeah, it was, like I said, a lot of, a lot of heavy, heavy spots. I call it heavy spots where it's big man on big man. Just, you know, that ring got a workout. Let's put it that way. Uh, the next match was Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, which if you follow the kind of the build up to this, Chris Jericho is trying to do a heel turn or he kind of successfully does one. Um, opens, opens the really opens up the, the contest here with, he landed a half and half suplex seconds after the match started. And you can tell Jericho got dropped right on his head. And you can tell Jericho was definitely not feeling it. Uh, maybe been concussed. Who knows? But, uh, you know, he rolls out of the ring, try to give himself some time. Uh, but Kingston rolls out the follows him. Jericho fought back by working on this previously, you know, Injured eye of Kingston uh, with a lot of a lot of rakes to the eyes and thumbs to the eyes and stuff like that. Obviously, the old heel stuff. Uh, the brutality continued with, to build with furious chop battles in this match. Like, it, it, if you can see some of the chests on both these guys, it was just beat red. 
uh, and big suplexes. And even Jericho tried to dump uh, Kingston on his head. Uh, Jericho did try to, he did, he did lock in the walls of Jericho, which if you watch the pay-per-view, you see a huge pop from the crowd when he does it. And I know it's a quick, you know, they always, they always do this with the walls of Jericho. They always kind of crawl to the ropes and then Jericho will pull him back. But this was a quick grab of the ropes after he hit the walls of Jericho. Um, Jericho obviously does a, a kind of a deal with Aubrey Edwards. Um, recently distracting him long enough for Kingston to do a spinning back fist for a near fall. Uh, Jericho came right back with a code breaker. Jericho went for the knockout with his back elbow stuff, but eight two, you know, big back fist by Kingston. Kind of just a lot of back and forth there with a lot of strikes. Uh Hits the two back fists from Kingston, and then Kingston locks in his his finisher, the stretch plum, uh, to make Jericho tap here, and and that was actually a solid finish, solid solid match. Um, obviously a little bit of the afterbirth, which would be stereotypical of AEW. Uh, Jericho refused to shake Kingston's hand after vowing to do so on AEW Dynamite week week before, and. It's just kind of how that works out. Uh, this was actually a really good wrestling, uh, solid match. It was. I, I definitely liked the way this this played out. Really, I I thought I wasn't sure if that first move of the match with Kingston uh, giving Jericho a suplex on the, on his back of his head was legitimately injury or it was a gimmick. I, I couldn't really tell. But it looked like it was kind of hurting. Uh, I don't blame if it did hurt or not. But uh, I'd say that was a good, solid A match. It was actually pretty solid. Excuse me. Um, the next match was not my favorite. It was one of my three matches I actually wanted to watch to see how they're going to do this with three tag teams. Two of the tag teams are much of a spotty uh, trampoline fest. Obviously, it was the AEW Tag Team Championship match of Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Red Dragon of uh, and, and, and the Young Bucks. Uh, they try to play up, just to give you a kind of a preview of this, they try to play up the, I guess you say, alliance between Red Dragon and Young Bucks in this. And it was definitely a spot fest in this match. And it was kind of a, it kind of did the Debbie Downer on the match. And it just, that Alliance story kind of played down the match of what it could have been if they didn't have that. So um, as expected, the champions were at a disadvantage early with Red Dragon and the Bucks working together to try to take out the big threat of Luchasaurus. Some cracks in the alliance began to show early on with a lot of break pin attempts on Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy was kept in uh, on the bottom or kept down for long stretches. Uh, so obviously when the hot tags happened, uh, you know, Luchasaurus took out uh, the Bucks and the Red Dragon. After the Jurassic Park kind of hot tag, uh, both challenging teams finally began to brawl back together. And you know, brawl each other than rather than work together, excuse me. With the match finally settling into each team working their own interests, uh, 
the already impressive kind of spot fest that had happened here, amped up with a lot of big, big moves, a lot of big, it didn't really slow down. So, um, with we're, we're, honestly, there was a wild stretch there that Jungle Boy actually hit a shooting star press on Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly as uh, as O'Reilly was held, was held by Luchasaurus before Jungle Boy was taken out by a belt shot by O'Reilly for a near fall. So there's a lot of back, a lot of big, intense spots in this. And I call a lot of trampoline stuff a little bit here. But a lot of it made sense on the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy side. The the other thing that kind of hurt me up my just my fandom here is a lot of the leg slaps. Obviously, it's a, it's a Young Bucks match. So if I'm not hearing a leg slap, it's not really a Young Bucks match. But Jungle Boy continued to eat big moves from these guys. So he's obviously bumping for these guys and try to, you know, basically, you know, he's a baby face. So you could tell he's he's trying to, you know, feed him and try to eat the spots here. Uh, but really, the, the ending the ending of this match kind of really just made me wonder what the hell has happened here. Because he ate, Jungle Boy ate a lot of the big finishing maneuvers, including a BTE trigger from the, the Young Bucks. But O'Reilly broke up that pinfall, setting up a kind of a sequence of events there where Jurassic Park hit their finisher. Um, and Jurassic Park retains. This match kind of, the ending was kind of awkward a little bit, like I said, because of the, the alliance part of it. But it really, if you remove the um, that kind of quirkiness to it, it was a really good match. A little bit... Um, some of the spots were kind of, what the hell were you thinking? But it, it, it's it's kind of story. It's storybook Young Bucks matches. If you watch a Young Bucks matches, it's always kind of quirky. It's always going to be. All right, the next match, I, I give that a solid B, B, B plus. Uh, the next match, honestly, is the uh, the face of the Revolution ladder match for the chance to to face the. Uh, TNT champion. Uh, it's Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Wardlow, Christian Cage. Obviously, Christian Cage is the veteran here of ladder matches. He's probably the one calling some of these big spots. Um, Keith Lee's a lot of guys. This is this is where I kind of didn't like the booking of this match, and I'll explain to you why here. A lot of big man, a lot of big men in this match. Very little guys of normal size, guys that aren't supposed to be climbing ladders. Okay, uh, just to give you kind of a recap here. Cage was the first guy to involve himself using a ladder, going right at Lee, Lee the big guys, uh, Lee Hobbs and Wardlow, trying to take out the matches. You know, the big three guys there. Cage also hit Hobbs with a reverse DDT off the ladder, playing into his history as one of the greatest uh, ladder match participants of all time. I'll say that nicely. Him and Edge and, and the Hardy Boys and even the Dudley Boys. They know how to put on a great ladder match. Literally, you know, tables, eyes, and chairs. Uh, every participant got plenty of moments here to kind of do their thing. Uh, with Cassidy showing some weird, you know, moments of innovation here with skinning the cat while suspended from a ladder in the air, in the air by Wardlow and Lee grabbing, you know, the grabbing the suspended brass ring to win the match. Uh, nearly, I'm sorry, nearly grabbing uh, the suspended ring. 
Uh, throughout the match, a confrontation between the three big guys was kind of hiked up a lot. Obviously, as the match progressed on, that eventually paid off when the three big men, you know, went up to up to the ring, up the ring apron, and went up the ramp to grab a ladder. Uh, they rip a ladder in half. Uh, Wardlow managed to knock the other two off the stage through a table off the stage. Uh, shortly after, Starks nearly had the match won when uh, Danhausen. Uh, jumped in the ring to interfere, knocking him from the ladder, which I'm not really sure why the interference had to happen, but it didn't. Uh, Wardlow then hit Starks with a powerbomb off one one ladder onto another. Um, that spot was probably the most scariest spot to watch as a fan because how Starks landed on that ladder that was basically a T being held up by another ladder. And he landed in one of the gaps. And from a guy that personally had, uh, from a guy that had a neck injury for a long time, that probably wasn't the best spot to be taken. Uh, but it, it was sloppy, these big guys. But uh, Wardlow ended up winning that match after hitting that power bomb. And this is where the beginning of the, I call it the sloppiness ensued. And it started with this match, and it continued down to the girls' matches. And then it finally just bleh. It just bleh, bleh, bleh. It got sloppy in a hurry on the pay-per-view here. The next match after the, the uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match was Jay Cargill, better known as Spotfest, Botchfest, McGee, Cargill, versus Tay Conti. Tay Conti, obviously, really attractive young lady. I wish her nothing but the best, but uh, so is Jade. But Jade's is too greener than a pepper tree. I don't even know why she's a champion. Obviously, they're going off her physique, and I understand that. But she should probably be Mrs. Olympia and not AEW TBS champion. Uh, Cargill opens up the match. Straight up makes out with her. Makes out with, you know, you know Tay Conti. Um <laughs> uh, It just Cargill was trash talking Conti, saying, "Oh, this karate shit ain't making no sense here." Uh, Conti came back with a series of kicks. Conti did a DDT for a near fall. Uh, Anna J interfered, hitting Cargill in the face with a chair. Uh, kind of a, I would say, a near fall spot with a. Pile driver. Um, I, I guess they really didn't sell that pile driver because moments later Cargill bounced back up and hit uh, hit Jaded her finisher and basically finished the match off with you know one two three. Um, but yeah, I don't understand why she's staying undefeated. I really don't like the match. Um, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa. Um, I, I would say this match was downright just disrespectful to the industry uh, of professional wrestling because I don't know how much more interference can you have in a match, and I'll explain it as it goes. From You come out here with your entourage, and basically every single opportunity is an opportunity to get 
interference on your your challenger. It, it doesn't. It was not a fun match. And so Baker was borderline disrespectful to their attack early on, but also leaned into having the support of Rebel and Jamie Hader. Hader and Rebel interfered every chance they got. The referee turned her back. They're doing something. They're doing a gimmick. Um, Baker had a very good answer for everything Rosa was trying to do. Uh, kind of after a while, Rosa finally got herself going there. Um, kind of a slow build, but it really, it was, like I said, it was every single opportunity uh, that the referee turned away, it was an interference fest. So when Rosa managed to hit a tombstone pile driver, Rebel jumped on the ring apron to distract the referee from making the one, two, three. Hater then tried to help Baker score a cheap victory by throwing a title belt where Baker hit a stomp for a two count. Uh, Rosa had a win stolen for a second time when she locked up a straight jacket on Baker, forcing the tap only the referee to miss it because she was being distracted. Um, Rosa left the ring to take on Rebel and Hater, only to be stomped as she slid back into the ring to score the pinfall. Really shitty, 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 shitty finish. Just shitty. Shitty, 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 shitty. Okay, so those three shit bag matches are out of the way. Uh, we can talk about what I really wanted to watch this entire pay-per-view for. It was the CM Punk versus the MJF dog collar match. If you know anything about me as a wrestling fan, I will tell you that CM Punk, I watched this man, this young guy back in the day from CZW, Ring of Honor, him and, and Cole Cabana and Brian Danielson. My history of professional wrestling fandom is long documented. I'm a big fan of the independents back then. There's no question about this match. It was one for the record books. The story of this match started with the introductions. If you're not a fan of CM Punk, you guys can go jump off a cliff. But CM Punk was storytelling here. He came out to his old Miserari Kantari from AFI, which is a Ring of Honor entrance. The same exact entrance he came out to Ring of Honor with, that same song, the same clothes, windbreaker and everything. Very good. Early portions of this match were the standard, typical bull rope, dog collar style of match with a chain around your neck, a lot of whipping, a lot of beating. And and MJF tried to just kind of just keep, keep this thing going, grabbed the microphone and demanded Punk to tell the crowd that he wanted to quit. And uh, Punk told him to uh, eat shit, Max, as he would say. Um, and they kept going back and forth. And, and it was really a, a really good back and forth here. And they uh, beat each other up. MJF countered to go to sleep into the salt of the earth arm bar. Uh, then he countered that into an anaconda vice. The brutality here continued to ramp up throughout the match. And the only thing, the only kind of issue I had with this was when they introduced a bag of thumbtacks. Okay. The match in itself, ladies and gentlemen, and it's as a dog collar match is a brutal match in itself. Okay. They hit each other over, they whip each other over the, over the back with a chain of, a, you know, a lumber, you know, it's a pretty hard thing to do so a lot of it, it there's really no reason to use the, the thumbtacks in my opinion but it made sense uh later on here but it, it wasn't really a good sell it took away from some of the brutality early on in the match um 
MJF hit a superplex onto the tax of CM Punk. CM Punk's on the tax. MJF called for Wardlow, who came to the ring, and he couldn't find MJF's gimmick of the dynamite diamond ring. This is where storytelling at its finest. The distraction allowed Punk to hit the go-to-sleep on MJF. Then all of a sudden, Wardlow found the ring in his other pocket and left it on the apron for Punk. Punk knocked out MJF with a punch while wearing the ring, though not before MJF spit in his face. This was a match that will not be for everyone, but it was definitely, definitely an old-school dog-collar match, methodical, and driving home the benefits of the stipulation. However, you have to know that they're going to let Punk get over on this one over MJF. Good, good way to end it, kind of building into the thing that they've been teasing for almost two years now with MGF and Wardlow. Really great time, really great match, just solid all the way around. The next match uh, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Another great match. It was John Moxley versus Brian Danielson, which I'm not a crazy fan of, of John Moxley by any means and imagination. Just not a fan. But I understand he's good at what he does. Brian Danielson, in my opinion, is the most technical wrestler, story-wise teller in the business. He's good at what he does. Uh, Danielson took over the over a really good, solid match here. Um, just a lot of back and forth, a lot of striking, a lot of stretching, a lot of submissions, a lot of just downright dirty, good overall wrestling. And Moxley gets the finish here, which is unique because Brian Danielson had his shoulders on the mat during a submission and the referee counted and he didn't realize it. After the match was over, this is where I, I really wanted to talk about was it was a debut of a person that no matter who where you are in the wrestling world or where your fandom resides, this man deserves so much more respect in my personal view of professional wrestling, it's William Regal. And he was really great uh, in this role. He comes out and basically slaps both guys because they're both fighting with each other still. And uh, it really, truly was the William Regal debut kind of stole the thunder of this match, but really it was all the worthwhile. It really was. And the, so what I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to pause here. And I'm going to go into another segment of recording, but I want you guys to understand that there's only two, there's two more matches left in this card, which is the six man tag. Okay. Of the Andrade Hardy family office versus Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and sting in a Texas tornado match. And then of course the main event, the AEW world championship match of hangman, Adam page versus Adam Cole. Both men are named Adam. Ha ha ha. So give me one second, guys. We'll take a two, one-minute break, then we'll talk about the last two matches. 